Hello and welcome to Tag One Team Talks, the blog and podcast of Tag One Consulting. We're commemorating the 20th anniversary of Drupal with an interview series featuring community leaders talking about their Drupal experiences. I'm really excited to have Jody Hamilton on the show today. Prior to joining Renaissance Electronics, a large semiconductor manufacturer, as their senior digital business analyst, Jody was the CTO and co-owner of ZibTech, a really well-known Drupal agency that she ran for around 13 years. I'm Michael Myers, the managing director at Tag One. Tag One is the number two all-time contributor to Drupal. We build large-scale applications for Fortune 500s and large organizations in pretty much every industry and sector using Drupal, as well as many other technologies. Uh, we're also one of the few official providers of Drupal 7 extended support. Uh, so if you'd like to continue running Drupal 7 after end of life, uh, please contact us. We're happy to help you make that happen. Please join me in welcoming Jody. Uh, Jody, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks. Awesome. I mean, there, Jody, there's so much to talk about, but I, I thought we would uh, talk a little bit about your, your background and your work in the Drupal community and then shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about Drupal as a product and where you, know, you see Drupal going in the future. Awesome. Um, awesome. This is, uh, it was really fascinating to me. You, know, you, you started as a chemist. Which, um, and then you uh, moved into web development. Uh, you, you started ZivTech in around 2008, I believe, uh, with Alex Ua, who's one of the more outspoken members of the community. Uh, and ZivTech became a really well-known agency that was very active in the community. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, how did you go from, uh, you know, chemistry and, and being a chemist to getting into web development to starting your own agency? Um, so I was a terrible chemist. I kind of, I got into chemistry as just like the path of least resistance. Um, I went to Harvey Mudd College and you had to, you could only have, you know, a science or engineering major and chemistry seemed to be the easiest because they closed the lab at five and then that was the end of your day, you know, whereas computer science, you know, people are staying up all night drinking Mountain Dew. So I thought chemistry seemed like, you know, Easy, and I was from. I'm from Philadelphia, which is a, a big uh, pharmaceutical hub, especially in New Jersey. So I knew that there would be work. Whereas if I did like a physics major or something, I, I didn't know if I would have a job. So kind of just ended up in chemistry, hated it. I was a math teacher for a year, ended up back in chemistry, and then I um, I I was also a musician. I had a band, and I. Um, I hated being a chemist and I just dreamed of like a way out of this career. Um, our company actually closed down and we all got severance and unemployment, which was my, my, I knew that was my chance. So I considered two options. I thought maybe I could become like a, an ecstasy producer um, <laughs> because, you know, with my chemistry background, uh, but that'd be like a good way to make money. I wouldn't have to go back to school, you know, or maybe I could get into like websites and I'd like made um, websites for my bands and for myself. And I was pretty good at it. So like a good combination of like creative and technical for me. And uh, so I was talking to people in the music scene about this, these ideas. And they were like, Jody, like, you're a terrible criminal. You're already telling everyone about this idea. Like you have a huge mouth, you know, you're a terrible idea. Like do the website thing. And they told me that 
this guy that was uh, recording an album for me, he told me he worked with this other musician who had his own web agency and maybe he would be looking for like an intern. So I emailed this guy out of the blue and said, you know, I think I would be a great intern to like learn how to become a web developer as just an unpaid intern. I wondered if you were looking for an intern. And he said, because I was able to be an, an intern because I got the unemployment and everything. And he said, oh, I just got this uh, big job doing a site for this guy, Stephen Colbert, who just got his uh, show. I just got a show on Comedy Central. And I was actually just going to look for an intern. So this is like amazing timing. You know, come on down. And I'm like, okay. Then after that phone call, I look up and I on, and in my desk where I'm sitting as a chemist in the lab, it had like a newspaper cut out. Uh, our band had been like in the Philadelphia Inquirer for being part of this compilation album. And there's a picture of my band and there was another band that was also in the album that was also a, had a picture that had had taped up at my desk for like over a year. And I realized it was him. It was my new boss who I had just reached out to. It was his picture that was like looking at me at my desk this whole time. And his name was Mason Wendell. And uh, he took me as an intern, taught me, you know, pointed me in the right direction, taught me PHP, CSS, MySQL, you know, everything I needed to know. And then he told me he had like his own CMS and I was like doing the back end of that for him. And he told me he, he got a job um, where we needed like more user roles. It was going to be too complicated for our CMS. And he'd heard about this Drupal system and could I check it out for this project? So I checked it out for him and that was it. I just like, oh, he also told me I should listen to this Lullabot podcast. I listened to this Lullabot podcast. I heard Angie on there. She said, she said her advice was uh, to learn Drupal and open a bank account. And I was like, sounds good, Angie. That's, that's what I'm going to do. So uh, that's what I did. And I just like obsessively learned everything I could about Drupal and PHP and CSS and MySQL and all that, um, you know, until my unemployment and everything ran out. And then by that time, I kind of looked up and was like, whoa, I'm actually pretty good at this. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty so, Angie always gives good advice. So how did you go for, you know, you're working for Mason as an intern, unemployment runs out. How do you get from there to ZimTech? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Mason, um, over time, you know, started paying me a bit. And then I also started doing um, freelance work. Drupal was so in demand then. That was like 2006 or so. It was so in demand, like you could just find jobs on Craigslist or even on like Drupal.org had like paid gigs or people would post like some bug that they had and like a bug bounty. And they'd be like, oh, I'll pay you $500 if you can fix this bug. I'm like, okay, done. Like, um, it was easy. It was, it was, there was so much demand back then. Um, so, yeah, so I started making money um, be, doing my own projects. Um, I worked for another agency, like as a contractor as well. And then I started thinking, and I was, you know, I was starting to do like core contributions and um, writing blog posts about Drupal. And I'm thinking like, I'm great at Drupal. Like I'm like, I'm, you know, 
some great Drupal talent. Uh, you know, people, I should go work for one of these like top Drupal shops. And some of the top shops back then were like Rain City. Um, didn't last that much longer after that. But um, I thought, you know, I'll, I mean, I'm going to move to Vancouver and work for Rain City. You know, this will be great. But then I kind of realized like nobody knew who I was. I, I was just like this girl with like no experience, no CS degree, didn't even look like a developer. And um, yeah, I, so I felt like whether they're going to give me like some entry level job, like I, you know, I think I'm great. They, they don't think I'm, they don't know who I am. So um, I thought, you know, the market kind of undervalued me. So um, yeah, I met this guy, Alex UA in, in Philly, and he sort of had like the opposite problem of, as me, like we were both working as freelancers. He had way too much work and had no idea how to do it. I hated doing sales and um, was great at doing the work. So, uh, so we just met kind of at the, at the Drupal meetup and we thought, you know, let's just make a company and it'll be easy for us to become like the dominant company in Philadelphia since there is no one else really vying for that yet if we come in now and try to do it now. Um, and then we'll be able to try to like, you know, attract the best talent in the area. And we ended up uh, a couple years later, my buddy uh, Mason, who had, who had taught me, um, he ended up coming in on as our creative director for a few years as well. So he got back in the, in the mix too. It's a pretty amazing small world. I, I, I think that's really great advice. I think the market undervalued me. So I went out and I started a company and it really served you well. Um, you know, running a, an agency or any business is can be really challenging. Um, you know, and there's a lot of cooperation in the Drupal community, and there's a lot of really great you know organizations. You mentioned Lullabot. Um, you know, were there shops that uh, inspired you when when forming ZivTech? That you know, that running ZivTech. Um, yeah. So I mean, so we were always. Um... Alex and I were always good friends with Chapter Three, um, and who are the owners now um, running Pantheon. So we were very close with them. So we knew a lot about kind of how they ran Chapter Three. Um, so that was like one company that we followed. And then at that time in like 2008, 2009, uh, the biggest, like kind of hottest, like Drupal shop was Development Seed. And so at um, and they were based in DC. And so their kind of like biggest moment I felt was like the DrupalCon DC in 2009. And they were really inspiring for us. That was kind of like our first coming out as ZivTech brought, we brought our whole team down to uh, DC and went to all the talks by development seed and followed like what they were up to. And, um, you know, one of the things with them was, you know, they were always trying to kind of get out of client work. I felt like, you know, they were always trying to like build products, which this, they ended up leaving the Drupal community and, and becoming um, a map, what's it called? Sorry. Mapbox. Mapbox. Yeah. Um, and um, although development seed actually does still exist. Get out of here. Yeah, no, they still exist. They don't do Drupal. Uh, but they still exist and all their blog posts are still online. All the, <laughs> you can still read all of their Drupal blog posts from 2008, 2009. Um, 
they like really inspired us in terms of like all the different tools that they were trying to make. Although um, some of the tools that they made back then like ended up kind of becoming like semi abandoned when they left the community. So like some of the things that they really worked on a lot were like you know, features and strong arm and um, context, um, so many, so many different tools. And, you know, those tools just kind of like stagnated a little bit after they left, but they were also the only tools they were, those, that team was just so ahead of everyone else and so ahead of their time. So it's just kind of funny how, you know, for like the next, like almost 10 years, everyone in Drupal, like used strong arm version two, that was just this like kind of half-baked idea. And they weren't even trying to like really do configuration management the way everyone else does. They were trying to build distributions. That's mm -hmm. why they were building those tools. Um, and then all of a sudden we have, we got into this horrible place for like 10 years in Drupal where we had like features and strong arm and your, your clients would say to you, so how do you um, export the configuration? And you would say, well, you have to understand some types of, some types of configuration are C tools exportables and some are not. So first you have to know which ones are, and which ones aren't because they will behave differently. And you know, it was a, it was a tough period of time. Um. Yeah, Drupal, you know, certainly had its rough spots, you know, early in the early days. Um, DevSeat was punching way above their weight. Like you said, you know, way, way ahead of their time. They did Open Atrium, right? Was that them too? Yeah, that yeah. was like Open Atrium and another distribution. Um, those were like some of the distributions that they were working on. Um, they kind of seemed like had they had this idea that they would make these distributions and then they wouldn't have to like do all of these one-off client projects and they would have this steady income, which was always kind of like a nice, nice dream. Um, not sure if that ever worked out for anyone, but. Yeah, I think the community as a whole has really struggled to productize distributions. I think that that doesn't mean that they aren't valuable. You know, Aquia's Lightning, you know, as a jumpstart framework and, you know, uh, not reinventing the wheel. I mean, I, I think they were definitely on to something, it, you know, um, it certainly streamlined their business, you know, made, you know, made them more profitable perhaps, but was really challenging to productize. And, um, you know, yeah, it is really interesting. They had a lot of ideas. They moved fast. They put a lot out there and then they exited stage left. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody was just like, what? Well, what just happened? You know, it took us a long time to like process everything they had just done. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, Eric, the, the team I'm working with now still uses context. Wow. And I just remember in like a DrupalCon DC, how they introduced context. And they said, it's an abstract system where you, depending on the context, you can have a, a condition and then a reaction. There's all types of conditions and the reaction could be anything, any type of reaction in the world. But of course, it's just a system that people use to place blocks onto different regions of the page, but that's not how they had envisioned it, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, Mapbox went on to be, it's a billion dollar company now, which is crazy. So they've, they've done really well for themselves and they finally found that productization fit. <laughs> and like the backstory of that team was like, that supposedly they didn't even have like a technical background. They were a bunch of people that were friends hanging out at a local bar. And then yeah. they magically morphed into this like amazing team. It was really interesting. 
a lot of really smart people. Yeah, and it's really it really inspired me because it's kind of like to me everything's really about the talent of the individual people and how well they work together. Um, whereas sometimes in tech, people forget that or don't realize that it's a talent-based industry, which I think is way off. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So it, it's crazy. You went, from, you went from chemistry to code. You ran ZivTech for 13 plus years. And you recently made another set of really big changes. So you are not risk averse and that's exciting. Um, so you went from, you know, being the CTO at a digital agency. Now you're working at Renaissance, which is a very large semiconductor manufacturer. Um, what precipitated wanting to move from the technical side to, you know, and, and an agency where you have clients to being a client and then working on the business side? I mean, that's, that's you know, a lot of shift. Yeah, well, I think, you know, for one thing, you know, the whole time that I was working as a vendor, I'm observing my clients and I'm thinking to myself, they seem to have a pretty good job. I mean, I mean, I'm sitting here, I mean, I'm sitting here killing myself. I work on a timer, you know, I'm living on a timer for over 10 years. I'm pressing a timer for every task that I'm doing. I'm jumping from project to project. If they don't like what I've accomplished, they just maybe won't pay me at all. And I just will have no income whatsoever. No, if the pro no matter what happens in the project, they're just getting a paycheck the whole entire time, right? It's not really a skin off of their back personally, right? Um, meanwhile, they're treated like royalty. You know, we're, we're rolling the red carpet out for them. We're saying, you know, any, anything that comes out of their mouth, great idea, Fred. <laughs> I love that idea, you know, <laughs> and I was realizing, you know, and we don't really get a lot of, some clients were great, but a lot of them, you know, they don't give you a lot of thanks. They think that paying you is the thanks that you get. And, um, you know, as the owner, I'm the last to get paid. So it really wasn't much thanks. Sometimes I, there were years where I didn't get paid at all running a business. Um, so when they didn't, you know, thank me either it you know it, it wasn't it wasn't great i'm a sensitive person so now that so i it's but i thought to myself you know can't it can't be that you know being a client is that much better you know it's probably just grass is greener on the other side um no i think it is it really is that much better and now that i'm like working in-house when i go to a meeting and i say something people go that's a great idea jody i'm like thank you this is a great idea because I've been saying great ideas this whole time. No one ever said that before. <laughs> uh, you know, and they say, oh, how's it, you know, how's it going? You know, do you want to be on my podcast? You know, it, it's just people treat you a lot better um, when you're a vendor. You know, it's like, which is better, being a diner or being a waitress? I mean, yeah probably being a diner. <laughs> like, so, so I thought, you know, this could be me. Like the other, the other frustration that I had was, you know, the, the, the clients come and they already come to you with an idea of what they want to do. And sometimes they just kind of treat you like you're just a set of hands. And as like a technical person, some people think of you as a resource. And it can be hard to, um, you know, as I, you know, as I got better and better at what I did, you know, I was really an expert in, in, you know, strategy and, and web applications in general, 
not just how to implement them, but you know what your strategy should be in the first place. And so when people would come and say, this is what we want you to do, and they didn't really care if I didn't think it was a good idea or not. I didn't really like doing work that I didn't think had a lot of value, um, whether they were going to pay me for it or not. And I didn't like that. Sometimes it felt like I didn't really have a, a seat at that table. So, um, so I found that, so I started to realize that although I felt that writing code made me really strong as um, a strategist and more of like a product owner that a lot of people saw it more as if you write code, you're like a resource. You're just a coder. You're just a technical person. I don't know why they, they look at it that way, but a lot of people do. And um, as long as I kept on wearing that coder hat, I, it was going to keep me from from the seat at the table that I wanted to have. Um, so I felt like I kind of had to let go of that. I'm still like read code all day, but I don't write it. Um, but yeah. Can't so, so now you're the client that yeah, reads now. the code and gives everybody <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, no, I'll, I'll give you shit if it's bad. But if it's good, I will be the client that really appreciates you, you know? Uh, yeah, you can't, you won't be able to hide from me if it's bad, I'll be your worst nightmare. But if it's good, you know, it'll be the client that actually like sees you and gets you um, and does thank you. Um, I don't understand why people don't treat developers like gold, you know? it's It blows my mind. They're amazing, you know, and they're so hard to come across um, I don't know. I think I, my theory is that people who, um, who, who don't understand code are threatened by it to some extent and they would, and so they have to come up with some way to like minimize other people by kind of calling them a technical resource and trying to make them less important in some way. I don't know. That's just my, my theory. So I'm also, um, in an MBA program now, which is just uh, mainly just to get that credential to help me to, you know, have a seat at the right table. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's the same type of thing. Like in the MBA program, there's, there's no, um, there's no acknowledgement of the existence of talent, which i to me, I think is what everything, has always been about, it's always been about finding talent, working with talent, growing talent, the talent of individual people. And that's the business, that's the value, but that's not um, what they are interested in in their little worldview that, they, that they're in, so. A company is, is nothing without its people. I think you're amazingly well positioned. You have this, you know, this deep background as a CTO and running an agency and dealing with, you know, all sorts of different organizations. You pair that with an MBA, you know, I think you're going to get whatever seat you want at the table. <laughs> I think yeah, and also, you know, and also I've aged into it. I think it's hard. It, it was hard for me, like as a, a woman in my twenties to be taken seriously and have a seat at the table. Um, now that I'm in my forties, I feel like I'm a little bit, it's easier. It's, it's harder being a woman. It's harder being young and it just gets easier, I guess, over time. 
it's pretty amazing. I I, uh, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about the community. But you just made me think, like when when we started in the community, we we were in our twenties. You know, we were these kids running around with these great ideas, and you know, twenty years later, Drupal's this thing that powers you know three percent of the internet, and you know, provides you know jobs for for lots of people. Um, what you know, for you, you know what has been the best part of, you know, being part of the Drupal community for you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's a professional community, but it's such a special one. You know, it's hard um, as an adult to make new friends, but it's easy in the Drupal community. Um, so I've definitely made lots of friends and, you know, it's, it's also hard to meet smart, interesting people in this world. And uh, you go to like a, a Drupal community event and that's you know how everyone is um so yeah definitely like the friendships one of my closest friends is is matt cheney of pantheon and i met him at um my first european drupalcon drupalcon saget in hungary and we've had a great time every drupal event since um I guess for me, being so busy running the business, it, it, and I'm sure for a lot of people, it kind of became like going to Drupal events was like my only vacation, even though you're like working the whole time. It was like, that's vacation. Because if you had another vacation, it's probably just like with your family and it's just kind of like a chore in some other way. Um, so yeah, it just kind of became that, that was like our chance to like see our friends and go to all different places all around the world and go out to different bars and just um, talk to really interesting people. So, and now, and even now, like, um, you know, get to kind of still be in the Drupal community, still get to see people, even though, you know, it's a pandemic, haven't really been to an event in a while. Um, but, you know, and also, you know, the people that were our employees, I mean, I had many employees over the years. And the fact that like, there is this sense of community of just like, you can, you can quit ZivTech and, you know, we're still friends and we can still see each other um, at, at events and, and still be part of this community together. So it's really nice that the community and the friendships come first and over the business relationships. I, I love the early Drupal cons. They, they were a lot of fun. You know, the, the fact that they're now in more fixed locations, they're a bit more business events. They don't, to me, you know, they're, they're good for business, but they're not, they don't have the same, you know, I, I remember, you know, we Seged, you know, we drank every bar in the town dry, <laughs> literally. <laughs> we took over the town, you know, we had an amazing time. It was so much fun. And, you know, you would, you would talk about Drupal and you, and you would make changes to the platform in these, you know, now those are like code, you know, maybe I haven't been to a dev days in a long time, but you know, maybe it's shifted, but you know, like us, the community kind of grew up and, you know, things changed a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree. I mean, for me, you know, going to these events, I got to see the world, go to so many countries, meet so many people, see countries through the eyes of people who live there, which is even better than just going, you know? Um, yeah. And that but like, yeah, as sort of the life cycle of the Drupal software has mm -hmm. matured, like, so have we. And like, we're not really, like, we're, our life cycle is kind of going along, like, with the Drupal life cycle, because Drupal honestly doesn't really attract that many 
younger people anymore. It's, it's, it's the people that are in it are a lot of them have been in it for a long time and the growth is not there anymore. It's not like the cool thing that like people in their twenties are going to be like, yeah, let me learn this, you know, behemoth of a system. Um, so yeah, I mean, like the kind of group is kind of aged together, I think. Yeah, I like to think like fine wine, Jody. We've only gotten better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm ready for a glass of wine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Do you remember your first contribution to the community? You know, if, you know, you guys were were really engaged in the community. And that, that was really wonderful to see. Um, uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be your first. I don't. I don't know if you remember your first, but one of your earlier contributions. Um, no, I don't. I don't really remember. My first, it was just like little patches and things, but some of like in the earlier days, some of the things that like I really enjoyed was times when I got to be invited to um, help define like a new initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's a really good, a good role for me, but not necessarily one that's that easy to get into. Um, I tend to find like the kind of tedium of like pushing a patch through into finally getting committed like way too slow and um painstaking of a process but um getting to kind of like come in with more of like an opinion of like how things should work from the beginning Mm -hmm. um I enjoy that a lot more so a couple of the things that I got to work on that uh aspect was um media module, which we originally made for um, Drupal 6 with Aaron Winborn, who was um, a good friend of Alex and mine. And um, I really enjoyed that one. And also Drupal Commerce uh, with Ryan Sarama. They invited me to kind of like a few days like retreat where we like architected Drupal Commerce from Ubercart. And I really enjoyed um, getting to do that a lot. I love Ryan and, and, and Drupal Commerce went on to have a, a huge future. Uh, I didn't realize that you had been a part of that. It's one of the things I love about talking to people about their contributions. You know, I, I learned so many things as to like who was involved in what and how things became what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you know, you mentioned that, that Drupal is this behemoth and, you know, people, you know, give Drupal a hard time for its learning curve. Um, I wonder if there's, you know, one thing that you learn the hard way about Drupal and it is, you know, not necessarily code, but, you know, you know, looking back, you're like, man, I really wish someone had told me, <laughs> you know, before I had to go through this, <laughs> this process to learn this lesson. Uh, yeah, well, I guess it's more about, not so much about Drupal, but about like developers and like who I am and how different people think. I've gradually learned over the years that most developers enjoy complexity. Like they just like it. They just like when things are super crazy and, and um, not all of them and all, everyone's different, but a lot of them kind of fit this sort of similar profile mm-hmm. that I never fit. And that was like, you know, always kind of a source of, confusion for me but over the years I've understood more who I am and 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 you know what the strengths of it are I hate complexity so when people start talking about all this technical stuff and they want to go on and on and on and on about it I'm just like 
you're killing me. You're overwhelming me. I, I don't like any of this. Um, and I realized over the years that not liking complexity is actually a superpower because when you want things to be simple, that's how you make things that are actually good. Um, and, and so early on, I would kind of doubt myself when people would have these like really technical, overwhelming conversations where they're going back and forth super fast, all this, all this stuff, I would think to myself, I'm confused. I don't know what they're talking about. I'm totally overwhelmed. Doesn't seem right to me. I guess I'm just maybe not smart enough like them. So I'll just keep it to myself. I learned that's a big mistake, right? Uh, if I'm confused, everyone's going to be confused forever, right? So, so for example, when we came up with the media module architecture, there were all these conversations about how we're going to have a file entity and also a media entity or something. And there was some kind of logic about why we needed two new entities instead of one. And it confused the hell out of me. And uh, I think it was a terrible decision to have both of those. It ended up confusing everyone and making everyone do tons of extra work forever. Um, and whatever advantage it gave was certainly not worth, you know, what it cost everyone with that extra complexity. And if I had, you know, raised my hand and been like, no, like this is hurting my head and it's gonna hurt everyone's head that ever has to use this system, we could have had a better system. Um, because actually, uh, it's a good thing to, um, to be confused. It's a, you know, it's a valuable thing to be confused because it's, if you can say that you're confused, you can, you know, you can save thousands of other people from being confused, uh, by stopping totally. right there. Yeah, no, I, I, I you gotta, you gotta speak up and share your confusion, uh, for, you know, for me, sometimes it, it helps to better understand it. Well, why the hell do they want that? You know, like maybe I will. And, and half the time I'm like, no, that, that really is not a good idea. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense and I'm not crazy. Right. I'm not, you know, not getting it. Like, you know, I just, this isn't how I would recommend you do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, it, you know, to some degree, you know, uh, more people need to speak up, but I also think that's one of the challenges with Drupal is that, you know, there are a lot of voices and, you know, they're not, uh, in my opinion, they shouldn't necessarily be, you know, carrying equal weight. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it makes getting things done. I, I love the spirit of it, but it, it makes uh, getting a lot of things done. Um, you mentioned, you know, this, this complexity, the, the file issue. Um, do you have a, a least favorite or, or favorite aspect or feature of Drupal or, or the Drupal community? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have had um, trouble in the open source community, you know, really finding my place in it, um, especially, and especially because of, you know, running a business and, and my whole mindset has always been about just personal and financial survival. So I've never really felt like I have like a lot of time to, to make open source contributions mm -hmm. that aren't paid for. Um, although, you know, I enjoy it to some extent, but I also, my, but my main challenge I feel like with the Drupal community was that, you know, it's a, the beauty of it is it's a democracy and it's a chaos and, you know, anyone can do anything and that's great. But the other side of it is there's no 
in a lot of places, and this has gotten better over the years in some ways, but in general, there's no real leadership. And so, yeah, anyone can just come in and say anything and derail the conversation. And, you know, there's just a lot of, you, you can say, you can say, oh, I, let's just do this trivial fix and get this done. And then someone will say, oh no, we can't do that because we have to do this thing and refactor this whole entire thing and then make a whole new version and then do that. And then we could do this fix. And I'm like, mm, I, don't, I don't have time for this, you know? So, so I just kind of became someone who just had like a huge wallet of a hundred patches and half of them I had written myself and I wasn't going to sit there and argue with people about whether or not they were going to get committed. I just put the, I just took them with me from one project to another and had the platform the way I wanted it to be. Um, but yeah, I think I, I wish that I had had somehow more of like a leadership position somehow. Um, but it, it wasn't that something that you could just sign up for, you know, without putting in a thousand hours of work um, to try to get there. So sort of the, the inequity of open source and, you know, really ties to that. I, I, I admire these, you know, the, the core developers that have the fortitude to shepherd things through that, you know, patch based contribution process. It's really a, a labor of love. Yeah. Um, it's pretty amazing what they're, what they're doing. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think I could survive going through that process. Um, you know, the, the time, the, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, had, you know, I think we've all had, you know, core patches that we tried to push forward for, you know, five or 10 years for some trivial fix that, oh. you know, just could never, <laughs> it just could never get done, you know, and it's just, it, you know, it pushes people away. They can't, can't take it. So more than anything, what do you think Drupal needs now? Um, I think at this point, I think, you know, we need to be realistic that, you know, we're, we're far in our life cycle. There's, there's a lot of big organizations with big sites running Drupal and they're going to continue to, unless we make it really difficult for them to continue that. Um, this idea that we're going to like continue to attract hobbyists who are just looking for a platform to make their website like Drupal did in 2006. I think that, you know, that that's past. I don't think any, why would anyone use Drupal instead of Squarespace or something to like get started making some small website? Um, and yeah, I think we need to just be you know, and I think we are, you know, especially with the you know, Drupal 9 being such a better, you know, path forward with such an easy upgrade, you know, I think we're definitely going in that direction. But um, yeah, I think we, we need to be real, like we're a, a mature product used mm -hmm. by large teams. Um, and that's, you know, what we're going to be, we're not going to refactor the whole entire thing to be all completely in javascript like let's let's get serious you know? <laughs> <laughs> no i did uh, i gotta dig up the link someone sent me a java clone of drupal where they basically <laughs> like rewrote drupal in java for like to create an enterprise cms <laughs> it's funny i would agree with you drupal is very much a mature enterprise cms and um you know and and i love it on a lot of levels 
you know, I think back to the community that, you know, we quote unquote grew up in and the things that we loved about it, you know, I think in part that was because there were people from many different walks of life. And now that Drupal is this like really stable, large enterprise product used by really large teams, you know, those non-for-profits, those, you know, um, you know, some educational institutions, like it, it's, it's changing the dynamic and the makeup of the community a little bit. Yeah. And that's been happening, you know, the entire time that I've really, you know, been involved because, you know, my first big DrupalCon was, you know, DrupalCon Boston. And that's the DrupalCon where I talked to Alex and we decided to start ZipTech. And that was also like Acquia's big coming out. That's why it was in Boston. So like Acquia was coming out and, um, and this whole idea of Drupal becoming more of an enterprise thing and less about less this tool of anarchists and, and nonprofits that was, you know, has been happening. <laughs> Drug <I>, dealers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, that's been happening, you know, the entire time. Um, but, and it, it is sad to think like, are we just going to become like an enterprise practice? Are we closing the door behind us? That's the door that we went in, but you know, times have changed that door. I mean, no one's going to, no one's looking for, starting some small project on Drupal anymore. And I think, and I think I wish that Drupal would really reckon with that. It's been this constant, this constant friction point of like, are we a tool that's for people who can't code, who can just configure everything on their website by clicking around these complicated interfaces? Or are we a tool for professional teams like the one I'm working with that has, you know, maybe 15 full-time developers working on this platform, like, which are we? Because it's so confusing to be both. And these professional teams, they spend their time, and I did for many years, you spend your time clicking through these interfaces that are UI that you don't need because you're a developer. And then you have to export, that goes in a database, but you don't want it in a database because you have a whole you know, workflow of deploying your changes that you need to have for quality. And then you have to export all of this into code, which is really where it should have been in the first place. And then you have to go through this whole process of like sending it through these environments and testing the deployment and hoping that nobody like changes the configuration on the live site that you didn't really want them to be able to change in the first place. It's, it's silly. It's really silly because it's really silly that we have to have a user interface for everything for a tool that's used by developers. So it's, it's just, it, needs to a choice needs to be made and needed to be made a long time ago but i don't i'd, I'd, I'd love to talk to you more about that i i have I've, i have somewhat strong opinions on the topic but um we are we're running short on time so i, I want to shift into our lightning round uh real quick uh whatever uh comes to mind first uh, i've got four questions that i want to get through in four minutes uh who are your drupal mentors um, I never really had a mentor, but one person I've always admired is Jeff Eaton. I really like the way he like started out as like a developer, but because we're a CMS, he found that, you know, the real challenges were in the content strategy and he moved in that direction. I love that he followed the complexity and the real challenges instead of like the sticking with some technical part. I'm a big Eaton fanboy for sure. Um, all right. Favorite or least favorite Drupal module? Um, I want to say views uh, for both. I mean, obviously, it's <laughs> a great module, and Drupal would probably not be, you know, what it is without it. 
but I think it's just crazy how so many teams use it. Like, it's like, they don't even, they can't even write a query without it. Like if they want to display like one thing, they make a view and it's, it's, you know, you can just write a query. It ends up with, they have like five different hooks and five different templates trying to override what's coming out of views module. And then they have this completely like unmaintainable mess of code. It's like, you can actually write a custom query and, you know, make a table yourself. It's fine to do that. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Drupal wouldn't be what it is today without views, I'm sure. Um, but, but you were talking about UIs for everything. The first UI for views was an atrocity. <laughs> yeah, was I don't know. <laughs> It's amazing. It, that says a lot for how powerful it was as a tool that people were able to, to you know, to, to make that work. Yeah. Um, best or favorite uh, Drupal conference or Drupal camp that you've been to and why? Um, you know, definitely bad camp. Um, you know, it's free. It's, it, it's been, um, you know, until the past couple of years, it's been in Berkeley in October. It's a beautiful time of year. Um, it's my friend, uh, Matt Cheney organizes it with lots of other great people. Um, it's just always like just a good vibe and it's not, uh, you know, that businessy, but it's also like a big event. Um, just always a, a great time. Hands down my favorite Drupal camp. Uh, could, couldn't agree more with everything that you said. Um, where do you go to learn more about Drupal? Um, I would, my recommendation is read the code. Um, and I still, I'm sure my boss wishes I wouldn't, I still read code all the time because I think the only answer to things is to, you know, understand them completely. You get, got to get to the bottom of things. That's how you become a good engineer. There's no like secret to it. It's just digging in, digging in, digging in, reading everything, understanding everything. Once you understand it all, then, you know, um, and you know, there might be a lot of code, but it is like finite. And I think, you know, that's really how I became such a good Drupal developer was, you know, early on, I was like, I think I will just sit here and read this module. And now I'm going to, you know, read this one. And, you know, now I'm an expert on it and it doesn't necessarily take that long, but, um, yeah, just get in there and read, <laughs> <laughs> read the code. There you go. <laughs> RTFC. <laughs> All righty. So to, to wrap things up, uh, I want you to pass the torch. Uh, who should I interview next? Is there, you know, someone that's had uh, a lot of influence, you know, over the success of Drupal, um, you know, uh, for you? Um, who do you recommend that I reach out to? Um, I mean, I'll go with my friend, Matt Cheney. Um, also, Mike Pirock, another friend of mine, he... Um, he develops Lando and does lots of other interesting things. Um, Jeff Eaton, definitely. Ryan Zarama. I also uh, really like Todd from Four Kitchens. He's a good one to talk to. Yeah, that's that's a really great list. And I, uh, I can't believe I haven't uh, interviewed those folks yet. So I will definitely uh, get them on the list and, and follow up. All amazing people that I'd love to talk to. Jo Jody, my face hurts from smiling so much. <laughs> <laughs> from laughing. I, uh, I really appreciate you joining us today. This is, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I hope that uh, our listeners enjoyed it, you know, anywhere near as much as I did. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, really generous with it today. Uh, so thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. 
All righty. For our listeners, if you like this talk, please remember to upvote, subscribe, and share it out. You can check out all of our interviews in this series at tagone.com slash 20. That's two zero. Uh, we actually also set up the, the 20 because I'm sure people are going to type it in. <laughs> you can check out our past Tagone team talks uh, on the latest technology topics at tagone.com slash talks. As always, we'd love your feedback. Uh, it is so gratifying to hear from you, you know, topic suggestions, tell us what you think. You can write to us at talks at tagone.com. That's tag the number one.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Take care.